Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. David Maynard is Minister Emeritus of East Rose UU Fellowship in Gresham, Oregon. He and Jane remain active in that congregation. David is also a retired therapist who specialized in helping couples and individuals affected by compulsive behaviors or addictions. They live with their dog, chickens, and gardens in Portland. Several people of that. First of all, we picked up our friend Claire, who I'll talk about in just a minute, and came over here and... and, and my wife, Jane, was asking Claire a question about where she lives at Hillside. They're out on 2nd. And Claire was answering a question about McMinnville in general. So they were going right past each other. And I was driving and sitting in the middle. And, and what Claire said about McMinnville is people are very friendly. They stop for pedestrians. And they reach out to you and say hello. And uh, I, the last part definitely has happened since I walked in here this morning, and uh, a number of people who were not in an official capacity, Jamie's been great, and, and, um, but you really have uh, exemplified what Claire said about McMinnville. Um, my wife Jane is sitting over here, and Claire James uh, has attended here from time to time. She has difficulty hearing, and there was no hearing device, so she stopped attending, and I understand there is something now. You can hear? Yes? Just Good. took it off. Oh, took it off. All right. She doesn't want to hear you, I guess. That's, Claire has put up with me a long time. I don't know if any of you remember, if you've been around Oregon for a while, you might, but uh, there was a, a major a case that went to the Supreme Court on our right to choose to end our lives, the death of dignity law. And uh, Claire's husband, Don, was the only... A person who was still alive, <coughs> excuse me, when the Supreme Court decision came up against Ashcroft. And, and, and Claire and Don were inundated with literally world uh, news organizations from around the entire world. Uh, it was quite impressive. Don did eventually die from his disease that he had. And uh, Claire has been living down here for five years. And we came down, sure, to see you. We're glad to see you, but we really wanted to see Claire. Um, and then, uh, actually, we could move straight to the dialogue because the Walt Whitman reading that Jamie did had everything I'm going to share with you uh, in it, and, um, but you probably weren't paying attention with that in mind, so I think I will go ahead and talk. On the other hand, uh, the importance and the role of music in our individual lives uh, was everything in that reading that was an excellent uh, choice and even the Michael Jackson quote at the beginning is somebody worked really hard to mesh and I appreciate it uh, a lot. A contemporary of Walt Whitman was uh, sometime Unitarian. Uh, he wasn't exactly an institutionalist. Uh, Henry David Thoreau, 
And he wrote this, uh, and I'd like to uh, share it with you. Some are dinning in our ears that we Americans and moderns generally are intellectual dwarfs compared with the ancients or even the Elizabethan men. But it, what is that to the purpose? A living dog is better than a dead lion. Shall a man go and hang himself because he belongs to the race of pygmies and not be the biggest pygmy he can be? Let everyone mind his own business and endeavor to be what he was made. The, the language is hopelessly sexist. Why should we be in such a desperate haste to succeed and in such desperate enterprise? If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. It is not important that he should mature as soon as an apple tree or an oak. Shall he turn his spring into summer? If the conditions of things which we were made for is not yet, what, excuse me, what were any reality which we can substitute? We will not be shipwrecked on a vain reality. Shall we with pains erect a heaven of blue glass over ourselves? Though when it is done, we shall be sure to gaze still at the true ethereal heaven far above, as if the former were not. Of course, Henry David Thoreau is, is best known in our Unitarian circles and in American history for his connection and, and extolling the virtues of nature. And that has a lot to do with uh, my own personal experience, uh, not only just growing up, but also growing up uh, Unitarian. Last March, my wife and I were attending the Oregon Symphony performance in Portland of Giuseppe Verdi's Requiem Mass for Alessandro Manzoni, who was a poet and a patriot in, in Italy and very uh, much respected. And so a year after he died, Verdi presented uh, this Mass, and it's been performed, Verdi's Requiem Mass, ever since. And I don't know if you're familiar with the format of the Catholic Mass, but uh, it is the, the structure for this Requiem, as it is for any number of Requiems, um, if you are familiar with Handel's Messiah, it's exactly the same uh, structure. So I was, I'm, I'm very familiar with that, and having sung many of these things, and, and Mozart's Requiem would be another one. Um, and so I was sitting there, familiar with the structure of the Mass, and there was the Mass choir, there was a, a not a, that's a, a large choir, <laughs> it was a Mass choir, and soloist, and then the symphony, of course. And so, being familiar with the structure, I just allowed myself to kind of experience what Verdi was trying to say about Manzoni and what he was trying to say about sort of our humanity. And I realized that not only is there this religious structure, but there's also just the chronology from birth to death of this uh, patriot in this case, but in anybody for which whom the Requiem Mass is written. And there were different voices that sort of rose and fall. Some of the soloists, some of the uh, masses, the massed choir, which is exactly what happens in our lives today. You know, individuals affect us and also large groups of people affect us and they kind of come and go in terms of our awareness. And there was even some very sweet music, a lullaby, and there was a sense of exploration in the Requiem uh, of his life and, 
not by name, but in the, again in the structure. And a celebration, lots of celebration for the quality of a life lived and in the Christian tradition, the quality of salvation that follows. Uh, a meditative time to reflect on the impact of, of that person's life on us. And, and then the sadness, the lamentation, that's actually the name of that section of the Mass. Uh, the tears that are, are wept over a death. And then finally the, rec the reconciliation, the all coming together, being one again. For death inevitably tears us apart in some way or another, sometimes really dramatically, sometimes uh, Stalin is famous for saying one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic, and, and that's pretty descriptive, unfortunately. So we get torn apart more severely by some deaths than by others. And finally, the requiem, the coming together, rest in peace. And I came out of that experience of the symphony uh, really aware of, first of all, the universality and the spiritual depth. Uh, and my understanding of spirituality, uh, having been raised a Unitarian, is nourishing and healthy relationships with other people and with our environment. And that um, music provided this universality and this spiritual connectedness over, not only over space, distances, and cultures, but also over time, over centuries of, of awareness and togetherness. And secondly, uh, more importantly and individually, uh, the importance of music in my now 72 years of life. My first uh, memory of music would be, um, well, it wasn't music per se, uh, at, in some ways, it was being on my knees at the edge of the bed because until I was age four, my parents were attending a Presbyterian church in Delaware where I grew up. And one of my earliest memories is kneeling down by my child's bed in my pajamas and bathrobe and saying this children's prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Um, I don't like those words. They're not very friendly, it seems. And yet, uh, they were there, and obviously they've been with me for over 70 years. And, um, but my mother and father were there, and the contrast was they would sing a lullaby, either one of them, but particularly my mom. And the contrast of a very sweet lullaby in that prayer, uh, I do think, was registering with me. And I was, uh, as maybe any child would be, much more comfortable with the latter. When I was four, they joined the Unitarian Church, and since, well, maybe four or five, right in there somewhere, um, I've been connected with Unitarianism. And, um, and what attracted my parents was the same thing that attracted me. Uh, the minister, uh, John McKinnon, at that time was a well-known um, atheist and humanist, and that attracted my very scientifically oriented parents. And the church curriculum was Sophia Foz and her presentations to us back in the 40s and 50s uh, was based on nature. And that was definitely where I wanted to go and, and find myself. And if you've ever read, um, oh, his name just, everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten. Who wrote it? My brain went blank. Uh, Bob Fulgham. Uh, Bob Fulgens, if you've ever read Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, that was a description of the church school curriculum that I uh, experienced. So my first songs that infected me musically, I realize I better keep my watch out here. 
Is there a clock here? There, okay. Uh, my first uh, songs that I remember personally um, and being very pleased with, as I said to the kids uh, a few minutes ago, was singing, row, row, row your boat, and, and then my first song, which actually probably came about the same time as Row, Row Your Boat, was Home, Home on the Range, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, and the skies are not cloudy all day. If you understand those words, you've been to Wyoming or Montana, otherwise <laughs> you probably don't. I just was so excited to be singing a song as I shared with them, even though it was, I think, a monotone initially. And, and looking back over decades, a number of, a few years ago, not too long really, um, I realized that even at that age I was looking for a place where I belonged, where I felt. And those songs, being on the water, row, row, row your boat, or being on the range, being out, uh, sort of in nature, uh, reflected that yearning that was in me long before uh, I was aware of anything conscious that way. When we got to church, finally, and we were, I left my hymn book, oops, forget my props. Uh, when we got to church, I was totally entranced by this song that was sort of the Unitarian theme song of the late 50s and through the 60s. Carolyn McDade's, uh, by the way, she's a member of the downtown Portland Church. Uh, Carolyn McDade's Spirit of Life has long since supplanted it. But uh, in terms of what I was just sharing with you, this one grabbed my uh, entirely. For the beauty of the earth, for the splendor of the skies. I don't know why I started so low. For the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Now we have cleaned up the words, and here it comes. Source of all, that's not what I learned to sing. Lord of all, to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. And then it just goes on. Uh, joy of ear and eye, wonder of each hour, the joy of human care, sister, brother, parent, child, for the kinship we all share. And I just, I love singing that song. I love Spirit of Life, too, as a matter of fact. The... Uh, for the beauty of the earth. And it's been very useful because one of the things that ministers get asked to do is to go speak in different settings such as retirement homes or uh, nursing homes. And when I've done that, For the Beauty of the Earth is always in those other hymnals that I'm not familiar with and I can turn to it and say, oh, let's sing For the Beauty of the Earth. However, as I said, my parents were atheists and I was raised very much in that spirit. So my connectedness was nature was um, sort of not only being experienced directly in the things I was doing in my life and in church school and discussions and things like that, but was also being experienced musically in the ways I mentioned. Even in our high school song, uh, I was the class of 1963, and our uh, song uh, was Moon River. Moon River, wider than a mile. I'm crossing, this tune's not right, I know. I'm crossing you in style someday. Oh, dream maker, you heartbreaker. Wherever you're going, I'm going your way. To drifters off to see the world. There's such a lot of world to see. 
We're after the same rainbow's end, waiting round the bend, my huckleberry friend, Moon River, and me. And you know, even singing it now, it just kind of took my teenage years and put them into a focus um, that um, has, in some ways, stayed with me ever since. But I was still growing up, going to college, and, and getting on with other parts of my life. And a friend of mine, my best friend from college, was getting married after uh, graduation down in Washington, D.C. And uh, John was being married to Lil by a justice of the peace, and they had no plans for anybody else to be there. So I got on a plane at that time. Planes were really cheap from Boston to Washington, and flew down and, and uh, joined them. And they were glad to have me there, and I was in a motel, and I woke up that morning, and on the radio, uh, there was playing this new song by the Beatles, which I'm not going to sing to you. Uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Land. Now, I don't know which moved me more when I heard it. Was it the fact that it went on for 9 to 11 minutes? I can't remember. It was very long. Uh, you can't find that version easily anymore, by the way. Uh, it was the original. Uh, was it the uh, sort of the sentiment of music and sort of a, a cheerful moving out into the world and, and, um, and with excitement and probably a little bit of drugs along the way? Um, I don't know what it was. What I do know was I showed up at their wedding totally ecstatic about this song I had just heard. And, of course, it was a transition for the Beatles, and, and not in the least because of the nature of the music. It was the, not only then the typical um, instruments of guitar and, and drum sets, but also it was an entire symphony. And I think in some ways, I had, we lived in Wilmington, Delaware, so the Philadelphia Symphony was where we, or the symphony my uncle played in in Delaware, either one. We went to symphony fairly regularly, and and Sergeant Pepper synthesized those. And that was a big part of the excitement. Oh, you can have violins and French horns playing along with guitars and, and drum sets. And uh, it was, it really uh, caught me. Uh, there was another group that's now popular again that's been happening in the music world recently, the Moody Blues. They've been on tour, actually, in their 70s. Um, and uh, those, those were the lyrics that strongly affected me. Then there's Bobby McFerrin, who continues on, uh, and, uh, and he taught us something that uh, just fits right in with the humanist, vegetarian, mystic uh, kind of status that I was in in that time in my life. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. And you know, it was the end of the Vietnam War. It was, uh, we were having a major economic crisis. There were all the oil uh, price comp problems, all of which seemed pretty ridiculous looking back. That's true of most of history, I might add. And, and don't worry, be happy. Uh, you can take your troubles and make them double if you want. Um, you don't have to, though, and I just remember that, well, as you can see, it just hit me uh, very hard. And that kind of, in a way, uh, all of those songs got me through 
the 70s. I was beginning my career as a Unitarian minister, starting in 75, and, and um, continued on. I described myself very comfortably. I would become a vegetarian, so I was a humanist vegetarian mystic. Uh, in some ways, none of that has changed. In other ways, it's changed profoundly. The, um, there was a Unitarian singer in Berkeley, California, named Melvina Reynolds. Some of you may have heard her tunes over the years. Um, she's probably best known for Little Boxes, uh, that's uh, describing the housing on the hillsides in San Francisco. But she also had this uh, song, Love It Like a Fool. And I'll make an effort to sing some of the words because they were very important to me and still are to the day. <clears throat> and I'm not sure how close I'll be to the, act, the way she sings it. So. Baby, I ain't afraid to die. It's just that I hate to say goodbye to this world, this world, this world. This old world is mean and cruel, but still I love it like a fool. This world, this world, this world. I'd rather go to the corner store than sing Hosanna on that golden shore. I'd rather live on Parker Street, which is in Berkeley, than fly around where the angels meet. I had a church member in Peoria, Illinois, who said, if heaven's what they say it is, I want to stay here because it sounds terribly cold. <laughs> anyway, this old world is all I know. It's dust to dust when I have to go from this world, this world, this world. Somebody else will take my place, some other hands, some other face. Some other eyes will look around and find the things I've never found. Don't weep for me when I am gone. Just keep this old world rolling on this world, this world, this world. And that song and the sentiments of that song, first of all, as a minister, I was doing, um, in Peoria, I was doing 18 funerals a year in that old, it was a quite a bit older congregation founded in the mid-1830s. Um, and then in Nashville, uh, initially I went, I went a year without a funeral, actually. Uh, and then I uh, had a pretty steady uh, pace of them uh, once things started. And so I had that on one end of my life, another end with young kids growing up and all the things that go on in one's 30s and 40s. And, and, uh, and just that sentiment of, of love it like a fool and just love the world as it is. And again, uh, over this span of time and space, uh, some other fate, some other time, some other place, other people will take my place, and that appealed to me. Then as I got into the late 80s, um, I entered a time of personal transformation and uh, really uh, getting a chance to remake my life, for which I'm extremely grateful. And um, the, uh, the focus kind of changed because I began to learn things about humanity and how we function together. Uh, and, and really the background part of it was Love It Like a Fool, that kind of a, a song. And then the other songs, of course, that I've uh, mentioned already. Um, for instance, uh, I had gotten into this process of change and, and realized that if I didn't want to feel bad about something afterwards, I shouldn't do it in the first place. 
Now, I was about 44 years old at this time, and it occurred to me, you know, a lot of people learn this when they're six. Five or six. And I was grateful to learn it. It wasn't that it was wasted. It just felt like there'd been a long delay process in there. Um, I learned that it really was possible to live one day at a time, which seemed just like idealistic chit-chat for many years to me, and yet it's actually turned out to be a wonderful thing. Um, I have learned that a faced fear vanishes if I walk into my fears. Uh, they just, uh, I may have problems, I may have things I have to deal with, I just won't have fear. It turns out that uh, it generalizes very, very nicely. I went around for a time, uh, I did some damage with this actually, uh, realizing that other people's opinion of me was none of my business. And it wasn't because they were right or wrong. They might be right, they might be wrong. It's because if I focused on their opinion of me, which I had no control over, uh, I went crazy. And that wasn't worth it anymore. I got tired of that. So I, I didn't miss that when I finally got it. And, and a friend of mine said, well, David, uh, this, by the way, is socially acceptable as long as you obtain, watch certain boundaries. He said, David, put your finger on your nose. Now, as long as you don't stick it in your nose, you're okay. Put your finger on your nose. What do you have control over? And I said, well, I guess everything on this side of the finger. What do you not have control over? Everything on the other side of the finger. And it was very helpful. Uh, and it was kind of a differentiation process that somewhere along the line got mixed up, probably with the other people's opinion of me thing. And so, um, and I still do this to this day, if I'm in a conversation with someone, uh, I have a little skin cancer there so I can pretend to scrub the skin cancer. Or, you know, as long as it says, you don't stick it in, it's always fine. And, uh, it's worked out. I learned that I needed a sense of God in my life. That was really, really difficult because it meant letting go of what had been handed to me by my father and my mother, uh, and handed to me by my church, which I deeply, deeply loved, and still do. And yet I found that, that and I was really had great difficulty with that. And then I realized, wait a minute, if I need that sense of God in my life, that doesn't make it real or not real. And that's why I was actually hung up. Is God real or not real? Well, it turned out I don't have to ask that question. There's no answer that's going to satisfy me anyway. And so I don't worry about that, and I just uh, sort of live that way. And I try to, my wife and I have been talking about free will in the last uh, 24 hours because of a show she heard on the radio and a book she's reading, Behave. And, um, and, and free will for me is to try to make myself be a part of the larger whole which is how I, what I understand as God. As I said, in some ways, I'm still a humanist mystic. Um, like Studs Terkel said, I'm a humanist who believes in God. Um, and so I, I have that kind of going on and, and transformation. Uh, I've learned that I never have to be alone unless I want to be. I always thought I was so lonely at times uh, for any number of reasons, and it uh, turned out, yeah, I was, but it was my own choice. Um, I've learned a really crappy thing, which I'll share with you, and I encourage you not to accept this. Uh, if I'm disturbed, the problem's in me. I'd much rather have somebody else be responsible for my disturbance. Uh, it turns out, A, I'm not allowed to, and B, it's not true. Uh, and I'm not sure which comes first, actually, there. Uh, but that's saved me a lot of grief over the years, because if I'm upset about something, like somebody driving on the road uh, coming down here, 
Uh, today wasn't too bad, but there's always possibilities. There was one guy from California who thought 90 miles an hour was a better speed than what I was going at. And, uh, and you know what? I can be disturbed, or I can not be disturbed. <laughs> the problem's in me. Um, so I had all sorts of other learnings like that going on. And the music kind of would come along with these. Particularly, there was one singer, uh, Enya, who's, I don't know if any of you are familiar with her words, but uh, she had, and around the same time, my parents were dying, my dad had died, my mother was, uh, became ill in this same time frame. And she has a song called Evacuee, and I, I can't, I practiced this yesterday, and I don't think I can do it correctly, but I'll read you the words anyway. Each time on my leaving home, this is not the tune at all, I run back to my mother's arms, one last hold, and then it's over. If only I could stay with you, your train is gone, gone from you. But I must wait until it's over. She sings it much better than that. And, and yet that sentiment has really sort of fallen into me. And it's a continuation of all those other songs that I've shared with you just in the last few minutes. Um, that I would love to stay where I was in the past, in that family, in that relationship, whatever it was. And at the same time, that's not what happens with time. That's not what happens with space. They both keep changing. And we want to run back and touch. That's fine to do that. And yet we still have to let go. And we hold on ourselves until our own lives is, well, first they leave us, and then, depending on the sequence, of course, and then we leave uh, ourselves. Uh, wait until it's over. Um, the other song that was very powerful to me is uh, in our hymn book, and we're going to sing it uh, after I finish uh, talking. I buried my order of service here. Um, well, after the dialogue, we'll sing it, actually. But just as long as I have breath, tell them I said yes to life. I like that song for many reasons. You can have your own reactions to it when we sing it together. The important thing to me is that just tell them I said yes to life because when I was in college, they come around, they're trying to sell you things, you're a freshman, and they wanted to sell us a college mug, which was a cast iron, I mean a ceramic mug. I know this will stun you, it probably was not made in China. That's the way it goes. And, and you can put words on it if you want. And, and the word I... What, what I wanted on the mug was yes. And I have this mug to this day. Somehow I haven't broken it. And probably because I never use it. And, um, and I have yes on it. And, and that sentiment, uh, and I don't know if you've been in this situation where people say, what would you have on your tombstone if you had one phrase? And, and that's been my phrase since college, really, tell them he said yes to life. It's not original, it just it happens to be me. And, and here's a song about it. As I said, it's number six in our hymn book, and we'll be singing it. Um, and as I've come into more recent years, the last 20 years, and, and we've had the normal process of deaths in our family, and, and we've, been, we've lived longer in this house we're in than we've ever lived anywhere, and that's a nice feeling. And that relationship with what I understand to be God, the wholeness, the humanity, all of humanity, uh, continues. And I find myself just more and more engaged in an active process of, of prayer. And, 
reminding myself that although my brain says the way it is today is the way it's always going to be, that's a lie. As a good friend of mine said, David, it's either a lie, it's either going to change, I mean, it's a lie, it's either going to change or you'll be dead. Either way with words. And, and, uh, and the way it is today is not the way it's always going to be, which, by the way, is a useful way to deal with politics as well as with relationships with other people and things like that. Uh, in fact, I see you're, you have a meeting coming up to talk about possibly having a halftime minister, and I think that's been an active issue around here and is probably as good an illustration of the way it is today is not the way it's always going to be. Uh, and uh, see what happens on that. And one other thing, and then I'll end up here. Uh, I've learned that I have this wonderful device between my ears. Uh, you know how the left side of our brain controls the right side of our body, right? So, so having things be in the right side of the thing, having things be opposite is not totally unknown in our experience. And it turns out I have that built into my uh, sort of way of relating to the world. Uh, and, and I'm summarizing something that took place over about 20 years here. And that is, um, if I figure out exactly what I want to do, exactly how I want to react to a situation, and then I do the opposite, it's always correct. That has been so reliable, I don't have to think it through anymore. I just, I know. I had something happen this morning. Actually, I've forgotten what it was. But I do remember thinking, oh, David, you really, really want to call this person, or you really, really want to write this. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's good. That means don't do it. And finally, after about 15 years of saying that to people, of living it as best I was able, I suddenly realized why it's true. This has been very useful. Because if I want to do something, and there's another part of me that's saying, David, that's really dumb. Now that dumb voice might come from any number of sources. Maybe my parents, maybe my religion, maybe you know my wife, maybe, it doesn't matter. I have that other voice. And I'm trying to fight that voice. Well, how do we sort of deal with anything that's pushing against us? We push harder and harder, right? And that's what I realized was going on whenever I have this, oh, I've got to do this, this is really important, I've got to write this letter, I've, got to, I've gotten in bad, bad trouble for letters over the years. And, and, um, and what I'm doing is fighting that inner voice. So if I do the opposite, it's always correct. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> the song that is kind of exemplified, it's not a song per se, it's sort of a chant, and then we're going to end with a chant too, um, uh, it's been the serenity prayer. Um, and I, I was told to sing it as I went for walks, which is very boring. I mean, excuse me, I was supposed to say it when I went for walks. It was very boring, so I started singing it. And, and I do it like this. <clears throat> God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. And the wisdom to know the difference. And I would do that as I'm walking, wherever I'm walking, sometimes with a dog. And it's very calming, and the sentiments really make sense in terms of everything I've been sharing with you. Uh, it, I'm part of a larger whole, God grant. The serenity to accept the things I cannot change, that's the nose. Courage to change the things I can. You know, if I'm not distracted by inner battles, 
emotional battles on the inside, I can really go outside. I teach people how to do that, by the way. And then uh, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, and that partly comes from age, but you know, I was 44 when I figured out you shouldn't do something. If you don't want to feel bad about it, don't do it in the first place. Um, and so the, the wisdom to know the difference is sort of a variable concept. We just hope it comes along. The last uh, song I'd like to share with you, I need my prop. You know, music goes in cycles um, um, in our whole culture. Um, and um, about 20 years ago, uh, drums were kind of a big deal. They still are in some circles. Men were supposed to have drums. So I had been on the lookout for my drum. And I walked into a store outside um, uh, Glacier National Park. Uh, I should have looked up the name of the town, but I think it's not Browning. It's right there, though. Um, and up on the wall was my drum. Now, it's actually not sounding very good right now, but it'll do the job. Uh, that's true. Sometimes we don't sound very good, and we still do the job. So that's how I acquired this drum. And what I'd like to do, I'll play it gently, uh, but I'd like to teach you a chant. It's possible some of you know this. The most likely is you don't. So, and here's, here's how it goes. Where I stand is holy, holy is the ground. River, mountain, forest, listen to the sound. Great spirit circle all around me. Join me when you can. Where I stand is holy, holy is the ground. River, mountain, forest, listen to the sound. Great spirit circle all around me. Join in when you can. Where I stand is holy, holy is the ground. River, mountain, forest, listen to the sound. Great spirit circle around me. One more time. Where I stand is holy, holy is the ground. River, mountain, forest, listen to the sound. Great spirit circle all around.